0: All right, hello and welcome. Just to family, this is giving you something to talk about, or just a live TV as I like to call it. Today's episode, we are talking about mental health and addiction, do not mean that it is a life sentence to struggles and pain. And this is a huge one for myself and my guest co host. Uh, so we're going to get into that momentarily. Today's episode has been sponsored by a Phoenix Identity. You're desperate to feel like yourself and you know that you're meant for more. When you want to reconnect and just create a life that you're feeling blessed to be living, go and check them out. Sign up for a clarity session. at Just a uh, sorry at phoenixidentity.com. <laughs> All right, George, would you like to introduce yourself today?
1: Yes. Well, my name is George Brooks. I currently reside in Dallas, uh, Texas, but I'm originally from Memphis. And- Began to have mental health issues started by 87. seven. I grew in, uh, trouble, uh, well, tumultuous adolescence with that, it carried over into adulthood. As I was allowing myself to be labeled as an addict and a person with mental illness, um, I suffered through uh, divorce trauma, addiction, uh, custody issues, all these myriad of issues that almost killed me. Until I decided one day that I was sick of myself and began to take accountability and make changes. And that ties into me getting over the fact that I was defining myself by my psychosis and my addiction. And I felt that was all I was. But until I made that mindset change, until I started actually taking action, uh, things didn't really improve for me. So that's part of my narrative and who I am. I love that. I absolutely
0: love that. And one of the things that really stuck out with for me was the, the accountability portion of that. I think that as individuals, we don't take accountability for ourselves. We're not taught how to take accountability. Um, you can definitely see that in our children and the next generation that's coming up, that we don't take accountability and just responsibility for who we are, what, what choices we make, um, and how that how that um, impacts our, our day-to-day life, right? Um, I, I struggled with addiction. Um, mine was, you know, recreational addiction, but still addiction. Nonetheless, it was, um, very powerful addiction. And during that period of time, it was, everything became, you know, I don't even know how to word that, um you know, it wasn't, I I wasn't in the addiction stage where it was, I was, you know, going into my next fix. Where am I going to get my next fix? When am I going to get my next fix? For me, it was when I was in that mode or when I recreationally did it, it was, that's when it
1: became an issue,
0: right? I would, I was a binge addict Um, and I would go and binge and, and
1: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And that comes down to self-medicating. Um, Addiction is nothing, well, in my opinion, addiction is nothing but a response to trauma. Mm-hmm. And um I noticed in my case, it became it, be, it became to be a matter of using to dull the pain mm-hmm. to get through the day, uh with, with several um, mental health diagnoses and the stress of life and a divorce and just the pressures of of me not being accountable to myself, which is really where all this began. Um it became a, a, I thought of it as a panacea, you know, once, once things hurt or one thing, once things feel at least bit uncomfortable, uh, run to that, run to that addiction. It, it's safe. It'll always be there until I realized that that addiction was hurting me. Mm-hmm. And one way that it hurt is that, uh, people that are, are witnessing your throes of addiction. once you do accept accountability and make changes, they will not always forgive you or absolve you of your past. So that follows you. Is that fair? Of course not. But is a reality? Yes, it is. Because people, uh, especially when you when you are in throes of addiction and adding a mental health illness with it, you do cause a lot of trauma because of your behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh whether it be because of manipulation or survival mode, uh, you hurt a lot of people, you damage a lot of relationships and people do hold on to resentment. So that's one thing that I want to try to work on in my own personal life, but helping others is repairing those relationships that you have that you damaged through um, lack of accountability and through addiction as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And that's that's a huge one. Right.
0: Because you do want to repair those. But I think going into it, you know, being able to repair those would be great. Absolutely. would be great. Right. Right. Um, depending on the level of pain that that addiction has caused another person would, would obviously depend on their, their reaction or their, what's the word I'm looking for? Their ability to take that apology and actually change their thought process on, on who you are and how you behave,
1: right? Because recovery isn't just for the individual that's in the throes of addiction or, or whatever. It's also for the people in their lives. They have to Uh, Be integrated into that recovery process once it becomes time for that in order to heal those relationships. And the thing is, not only will you have to do, not only will you have to be forgiven in recovery, you'll have to do a lot of forgiving. And that also means, you know, maybe losing some relationships, even if it's with your mother or your child, you may have to sacrifice those relationships if they've been toxic and have played a part in your addiction. So it's, recovery is not as simple as, okay, I'm not using anymore. People don't think about the aftermath, the, 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 the damage cost to relationships, to reputation, to, to, to finances, to marriages. That's all part of recovery as well. So we really need to start thinking of recovery as a lifelong uh, endeavor because it really is. Because there's not only the act of getting clean, but staying clean and maintaining your surprise. Your That's also a part of it. So I I think that after the pandemic and now that we are focusing more on mental illness, which I'm very happy about, that we'll also throw recovery in there and start to look at new ways to look at it and better facilitate the changes in relationships because I found that's what's led to a lot of people's relapse. Uh, They get clean and they want to go to mom and have the conversation, but mom isn't there yet. that's likely because mom was a part of therapy and part of that recovery when it became time for that. Yeah.
0: So talking about addiction, a lot of people don't understand that addiction and you had mentioned this already. And I, I can't stress this enough. And and every episode that we've done on addiction, I've stressed this point home is that addiction is, is created by a need to replace, remove, or create a, a feeling or an emotion, right? It's that safe space, Um, it's the removal of your, of the pain that you're feeling from trauma. It's, it's creating that escape um, as, as you will. Right. So that's what it is. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I'm sorry. For me, it was, it was really an issue of, you know what, this will just get me through the day. This will get me through the next few hours. This will get me, over this hump that I'm about to face. And then you notice that becomes your only response to almost any stimulus at that point. And that's really where addiction uh, forms and develops. Because like you said, uh, you're using it to to get a feeling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And get fooled into thinking that high is really relief when it's really not that, it's the fact that we're hiding our trauma, we're hiding our feelings, we're hiding those things that we do need to deal with in order to really heal. Yep.
0: And that's why it's an escape, right? Um, Right. So talking about mental health and addiction and how they are, you know, not a life sentence. I think a lot of people believe that once you're in addiction or once you, you know, overcome addiction, that it's going to last forever. And couple that in with mental health, because addiction is very much tied into mental health. um, That it's like, oh, I'm this way and I'm going to be this way forever. And that's not that's not, you know, you may, I'm an, I will be an addict for the rest of my life. Am I an active addiction? No, because I am not, you know, I, I have control, right? I've gained control and I've put my mental health into a space where I don't need to be an, I don't need to be an active addiction.
1: Right. 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 And then, yes. And then addiction, it, it is a lifelong thing, but you don't have shadow. Uh, you can come out of it. Um, and the big part of that is dealing with those issues under the surface that are really uh, contributing to that addiction. Mm-hmm. And once you do that, you begin to kind of lift the weight off you and you can deal with other aspects of your addiction as well. So it's not a life sentence. It doesn't have to define you. The only hard part that I'm really noticing in just my experiences as an advocate and, and in life is that what causes the rupture in relationships is that people aren't willing to see you as a changed and rejuvenated person no matter how much you may really be and that in itself can cause a setback so you really have to be strong and fortified in your own mind that this is not who i am this is this is part of who i am but it does not define the totality of me and you really have to forgive this where forgiving yourself comes in and really being accountable but letting yourself forgive yourself for your transgressions, for what you've done to yourself and for what you've done to others. And that way you can really start to climb up under from addiction, a uh, climb uh, from up under the weight of an untreated or, or undertreated mental health diagnosis. is accountability and just getting yourself to that point. And once you do that, like I said, it does not become such a life sentence anymore because I know it's-
0: Yeah. We did an episode on addiction from the family's perspective. And one of the things that um, we had discussed in that episode was that the family becomes addicted to the addict as they are in active addiction. Right. Right. You become comfortable and the normal is in the addiction. So when an addict is in recovery, they change, their behaviors change, their mannerisms change, their emotional and and mental health changes in that sphere, their behaviors, everything that somebody would witness, feel or see would change in in recovery. And a lot of the times, a family doesn't know how to process that doesn't know how to deal with that. Because as you're going through recovery, you do, you do change. change, And it, it terrifies them that it changes. So sometimes what will happen is your family and your friends don't aren't comfortable with you in recovery, and they will subconsciously or unconsciously sabotage your recovery or do things that will, will trigger a sabotage in your recovery. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why recovery is such an individualistic thing we want help, we want others to be there for us and to encourage us and and forgive us or whatever it is that we're doing in that situation. But a lot of the time, like I said, unconsciously, the people don't know how to handle you as a as a recovery, or as a recoverer. So as somebody who's recovering, sorry, (laughs) apparently I can't talk. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Okay, so going forward, because we're talking about, you know, it's not a life sentence, is you are the poster child for that. Because you like you said, at the beginning, you've experienced your own trauma with mental health and addiction. And look at you now, you've completely 360 in your life. And so where are you at today? Where did where did you come from? And where are you at today? I'd love to hear that. (laughs)
1: All right. Uh, I, I'll put this after a wife leaving, traumatic divorce, really at my rock bottom. And the comparison between now and then, and maybe this will make it a little bit clearer, is that back then, uh, at my core, I was not accountable for my addiction. I was not holding myself accountable for me uh, um, not not putting more effort to. My by dealing with the issues that were really causing it. And once I did that, that's when things changed. But now um, I run my own nonprofit. Um, I do uh, public speaking, um, tap to write, produce, and direct a couple films next year, um, rejuvenated family life, um, new fiance. Uh, but the thing is also with, with all those, those triumphs and victories and things that I've worked very, very hard for, uh, I also have lost several relationships. I'm estranged from my family. And it's hard for some people to understand that as it may be, it's beneficial to me because there was a lot of tex- toxicity. And I realized this where a lot of my, my uh, not blaming anyone, not blaming anyone, but saying this were a lot of stimulus to to bring forth the addiction and those behaviors was coming from. So I've learned to deal with that. So That's really the best indication that I can give of where I was and where I am now. It was all about accountability because I can't control how those who witness my addiction react to me. I can't see, okay, I'm a new person. They have to see that on their own and they may never see that. But the main change is that I'm accountable. I'm taking steps daily. I'm being compliant with my my medication therapy and those things that are going to protect my sobriety. You just said about addiction, it's a very, and I hope this isn't taken the wrong way, but it's a very selfish endeavor, not in the sense of, okay, I want everything, but in the sense you have to think about self, sometimes you have to isolate, that's what I have to initiate my recovery, I had to be alone. I had to look myself in the mirror. I had to break myself down to nothing and build myself back up. Now, not saying that's indicative of everyone's process, but that's what it took for me. And at points in my life, I will take a break and do that every now and again. So that's the biggest difference is accountability and learning to cope with those emotions.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. I've created um, the smarter method, which is a method in how people can find, you know, reconnect with themselves, feel secure in who they are, um, mature in their mindset, Um, accountability. The third one, the smarter method, because it's an acronym, is accountability, right? And I love that that's what you found in order to, you know, get to where you are today, is holding yourself accountable and knowing that, you know when you hold yourself accountable and take responsibility for your actions your thoughts your beliefs and put trust in yourself in that moment you build the capability to move forward right you create a readiness to move forward um and i and i absolutely adore that because that's exactly what i'm creating and as we're talking i'm like i know that the smarter method can be used in absolutely everything life in general um but like the 12 step program, the smarter method is amazing for mental, emotional, and, you know, physical health in creating that that ability to change and or or to reconnect. Um, Family, (laughs) family is a huge one. I have completely cut ties with um, my, um, my mother. And, you know, a lot of people don't like the thought of, you know, blood is thicker than water, or, you know, you can remove toxic people from your life. It isn't necessarily a, about doing, you know, something wrong to them, or, or them doing something wrong. In general, it's not necessarily putting the blame on somebody else, I removed um, that part of my life, because or not that part of my life, but but that connection, that relationship, because it was with what was best for me. Right. Right. It was what was best for me. I, you know, there is anger because of course some of the, I do hold her accountable for the things that she did. Um, but again, I, I take responsibility for my own actions, for my own, um, behaviors, comments, anything that I had said or done during that time frame. But again, it, it was what was best for me. And, and you can, I, not my mother, because obviously there's still a lot of anger there, but with friendships with past relationships I've let all of those go with love not saying you know I don't like you or not saying I hate you or I can't be friends with you because of you it's no I don't like the way that I feel in this relationship you know I, I wish you all the best but I I need to do what's best for myself and for me that's walking away
1: right and that's this a big part of recovery that a lot of people uh really don't don't think about because it's not discussed that often people really don't. People discuss their recovery from the aspect of their individual experiences, but they don't often talk about the collateral damage that comes with it, because that's a whole other part of the recovery. Uh, Once you've forgiven yourself, now you got to deal with outside people. Now you have to start being accountable just to yourself, but to other people. And that's the hard part because they don't always accept our apologies or they don't always give us the validation or apologies that we feel like we deserve from them. So, like you said, it's difficult you know, severing those relationships. But sometimes they, well, more often than not, if you've done the work, they can be severed in love or severed without it hurting any more than what it already does. It's just that some relationships just don't work out, whether it be friends, family, coworkers, whatever. And you recover, you have to make changes. Mm -hmm. And those are usually by those that you're around. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So what would you say to people who are, you know, at the beginning stages of recovery or just in recovery in general, or, you know, in the midst of addiction who feel like it's a life sentence, because a lot of people do feel like it's a life sentence.
1: Right. Um, the first thing that I would do what I would tell them is try to get to where you're going to embark on recovery for yourself. And a lot of people might not agree with what I'm about to say. You cannot do it for your wife. You cannot do it for your mother, your kids, or anything, because if you do it for other people, you will fail because other people will let you down. You have to do it for yourself because you're tired of the way that you're living, because you're exhausted, because you see more potential in yourself than what you're doing, because you have to break yourself of the physical and psychological ties to addiction, but also The ritualistic part, the part that people don't talk about, like the making the call to get the guy to come, you know, and getting the money to go get it and picking it up and breaking it down. All those little things that we become addicted to as well, that are part of actually using the drugs and learning not to make that choice because we make a choice to make that call to our supplier. We make a, we make a a choice to embark upon it. We make a choice to do it. So Get yourself in that mindset of doing it for self. And that may mean being separated from your kids for a while to get yourself straight, but that's what you have to do. But you cannot do do it for them. You can do it because of them, because you want to give them a better life as their parent, but you cannot do it for them. It has to be for yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I can't agree with that enough. <laughs> it is. When we try to do stuff that is for other people, it, it's not... It's not worth it, right? Yeah. It's just, it's not worth it. And, and it doesn't, you know, you're not creating the proper mindset to do it, right? Because let's face it, we let people down too, right? Yeah. When, when <laughs> if I'm going to do it for you, but I really don't want to do it, I'm going to end up letting you down right. because it's not what I really want to do, right. right? But if I it's- if I decide it's what I want to do, then that's totally different. That's empowering, right? And for anybody who is in active addiction or even in recovery, understand that you have unlimited power. You are where you are at because of your decisions. Now that sounds blame. That sounds blame. And it sounds like I'm guilt tripping you. I'm not. When you realize that you have the power to create exactly where you are now You can take shame and blame and guilt into that. Absolutely. That's the first thing you're going to feel is what did I do? What did I do to my life? Why did I put myself here? Feel the guilt. Allow yourself to feel it. But ask yourself, is this where I really want to be? If I created where I'm at now, how much better can I be? Or how much better can my life be if I make the choice to create something different?
1: Right. It's powerful. It is. Especially once you get that that kind of point in your recovery where you start to kind of, where the clouds kind of tend to separate mentally and you're thinking clearer and you're starting to get clean and you are feeling better. Mm -hmm. To me, that was when I started focusing on, okay, I've created this mess for myself. I've created all these problems for myself. Let me take that same energy and and focus it on creating something beautiful for myself. Mm -hmm. For myself. And then things around me changed, so it's really a mindset change. But it, you know, for me, it had to be done in stages. Uh, it, I had to get to where I was, where I was coming off the, the 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 psychological need for it, and starting to get those moments of clarity. Then I was able to start setting goals and planning. So you know, everyone's recovery is going to be an individualistic thing. But the only thing I tell people is, you know, do it for yourself, and and also have a plan, have a plan, set a goal. If you want to be clean in in, in a year and have a certain job and write those down so you can manifest those, get them outside of your head, get them somewhere. I bought a big whiteboard and I started writing all my goals up, even daily goals. And that really helped my recovery. And I noticed once I was further along in my recovery, it started helping me in other aspects of my life. I was changing the addiction because I don't think addiction ever really goes away. I think many of us kind of trade, trade that addiction for something more positive. Uh, I think as well, a, a lot of my work comes in and we see it a lot. Some people go heavily into religion, going heavily into uh, philanthropy, go heavily into other things to kind of fill the void that addiction. is all about filling, filling that void like you were alluding to earlier. So if you understand that as well and try to find ways to put that energy someplace else, because being an addict takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. I mean, even if you're on the casual level, it's still almost a full time job, depending on your circumstances. So take that energy, take that time and try to find something fulfilling that will give you as close to that high. I get a natural high now off of helping people, you know, so I'm still an addict. I still because it never's going to go away. But find a better way to use it. Find a productive way. Find a way that will make you money. Find a way that will help people. Find a way that will make you happy. And that's part of your recovery as well. Absolutely.
0: No disagreement on my end. All right. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add about, you know, mental health addiction, it not being a life sentence? What what else would you like to add before we get going?
1: Um, I would tell people, especially those with dual diagnosis with the mental health and the the addiction issues is um, don't let that define you. Don't wake up every day with that thought that I had that this is who I am. So this is how my day must go. This is how this must go for me. It doesn't have to go that way for you. You can control your own destiny by setting goals, by working at it. If people don't support you, fine, because it's, it's for you anyway. Do the best you can, but you are not your mental illness diagnosis. It's part of you, but don't let it define you your addiction is part of you. Let it be your strength, but don't let it define you and don't let it break you.
0: Absolutely. I love that. Um, Oddly enough, the next episode we're doing is writing your own story. (laughs) And that's, (laughs) that's a perfect follow-up for this episode. So I'm absolutely loving that. Um, All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciated your time and your story. I think that I think that your story is so inspirational for those who need it because it's, it's the struggles that we face, the, 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 not even the mental health or the addiction that we face, but just the thoughts behind them, right? The I'm not good enough, the, I'm not worthy. The, the things that are going on in the background, being able to hear that from people who are willing to share their stories, that's transformational. Yes, and, yes. and, I appreciate you for doing that.
1: Thank you so much. It has been a pleasure.
0: All right. For anybody watching and listening, please make sure that you go and check out George Brooks. You can find his information in the description of this episode. Our sponsor today is Phoenix Identity. Go and set up a clarity call with them. If you are feeling like you want to reconnect to yourself, If you're desperate to change your life and start living a life you feel blessed to be living. So go and check them out. Again, link in the description. All right. I hope you all have a wonderful afternoon, morning, or evening, depending on when or where you're watching. I'm your host, Melissa Kretzler, and I will see you all on the next episode. Bye.